0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Kaskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. Joining me today is Ralph LaForge, a physiologist and board-certified lipidologist. He is the Managing Director of the Duke Lipid Disorder Physician Education Program at Duke University Medical Center and has written over 300 papers on the topic of therapeutic lifestyle changes and cardiovascular disease prevention. Mr. LaForge, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: I'm wondering what kind of scientifically proven dietary regimens have been actually shown to lower cholesterol besides just going on pills?
1: Well... There are many diets, of course, and all somewhat claim that they lower lipids, lower cholesterol, triglycerides, etc. Four or five have a repeatable evidence base. That means time and time again they've been able to show good efficacy. I'll just enumerate four, which tend to be the top of the list, is the National Cholesterol Education Program Therapeutic Lifestyle Change Diet. It's a NIH.com listed diet which is sort of a mix of all the evidence-based diets into one dietary regimen, pretty much focusing on monosaturated fats. The good fats are promoted, like the polyunsaturates, the omega-3s. The DASH diet, actually pretty much researched entirely here at Duke University and published many times, the DASH diet focusing on fruits and vegetables. Mediterranean diet, of course, you've heard about that, lots of fish, Lots of olive oil, maybe a touch of red wine. Otherwise, still overlapping with the other two diets in terms of fruits and vegetables. Then the portfolio diet, again, overlapping consistently with the other three dietary regimens that I spoke of, but maybe with the inclusion of soy, the portfolio diet having a particular emphasis in soy proteins.
0: Is that a relatively new one? Because I have not heard of that one.
1: It's been around for about five years. It has about six fairly major publications from the, you know, Heart Association Circulation Journal to the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. It is a relatively, relative to the other three, it is probably the most recent dietary regimen.
0: you got to like tofu. Uh,
1: well, I don't like tofu personally, but soy proteins like soy milk in your latte rather than whole milk, something like that, and then probably the fifth, kind of a distant fifth, Some people would place it number one, but not in terms of a cholesterol reducer consistently, and that would be an Atkins-like carbohydrate-sparing diet, which does other wonderful things, but long-term adherence has always been a problem with the follow-up we've executed for that type of diet.
0: At Duke, what have you had the most success with of these five diets, and how do you decide which person to put on each one.
1: Oh, my goodness. Here you've got 500 doctors going every which way. But the evidence base at Duke is mostly with the DASH diet and doing a lot of the lipid studies. Dr. John Guyton and Eric Westman and others have done a lot of work with the lipid response to the Atkins carbohydrate sparing diet, mostly finding a very significant effects on reducing triglycerides and, of course, body weight. The DASH diet, with a great emphasis on a variety of fruits and vegetables, etc., has had almost its entire focus on systolic and diastolic blood pressure reduction across the continuum of both prehypertensive patients as well as stage 1 hypertensive patients have a pretty rich follow-through on publication of studies on that particular diet. The others are just diets that I think our nutrition and dietary department's I recommend depending on the lipid diagnosis, the dyslipidemia diagnosis of the patient. I would have to say for me personally, because I also work with Native Americans and Native Alaskans, overall, I think from my perspective, the Mediterranean diet has all of the flavors of all of the above with perhaps a little more emphasis on fish than some of the other dietary regimens. And I... I would be slightly partial to that dietary regimen, even though we haven't really researched it particular here at Duke.
0: Ralph, they all have the word diet in them, and that makes me think that there's a beginning and an end. And so the first one, the TLC diet, really talks about lifestyle changes, and maybe we should rename diets to lifestyle changes.
1: Totally agree with you. I. I'm not one to recommend uh, nutrition or dietary changes without equivalency with energy expenditure changes, etc. That's a very good point, and I think that's the way Dr. Grundy set it up six years ago when he published the third set of cholesterol guidelines is that therapeutic lifestyle change regimen included weight loss, physical activity, and dietary regimen.
0: You mentioned this thing called weight loss. I've heard about it. I've read about it. Very difficult to achieve. How much do people really need to be exercising to to lose the weight, and then once they lose it, to maintain it?
1: Very good question. I just finished a couple of parallel chapters and textbooks on this. It's a little bit of a roulette play in trying to guess how much weight someone would lose for a given dose of exercise. First of all, the weight loss would be primarily related to the net energy expenditure added to someone's weekly lifestyle. So if you, for instance, added 1,500, 1,500 calories net, you actually added that to this, your weekly energy expenditure, you would be expected to lose probably at least a half to three-quarters of a pound of adipose tissue a a week. However, where people actually miss the mark, and it's understandable, is that when they think they've done 1,500 calories of uh, exercise, as displayed on an LED readout on a stationary bike or from a table or whatever, those are gross energy expenditure costs. And not to be super scientific with this, But the real caloric expenditure that relates directly to energy expenditure related to uh, actual weight loss is the net difference between what you actually spent on the treadmill, walking, gardening, whatever you did, minus what you would have done anyway had you not chosen to exercise for that hour. And the difference is about 50%. So in general, we tell people for significant weight loss, they need to think about adding at least 1,500 calories of exercise a week net to their weekly habitus.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm talking to Ralph LaForge. Ralph is the Managing Director of the Duke Lipid Disorder Physician Education Program at Duke University Medical Center. We're talking about how to lose weight. Ralph, I, I like to tell my patients that if they want to lose a pound, they got to burn 3,500 calories a week and try and get them to burn 500 a day and set that as their goal. And obviously they never live up to that, but that's kind of what I tell them.
1: You're in the right direction for sure, although the uh, 3,500 Calorie energy expenditure, that's about a 35-mile walk, by the way, Dr. Caskell. And if you walk 35 miles, if your patients walk 35 miles, you are definitely going to be losing more than one pound. Now, of course, that pound includes uh, protein loss, water loss, and, of course, some adipose tissue loss. I like practically with some of the subgroups I've worked with, some of them are fairly difficult the Native American populations way out on the reservation in Pueblo is we use clinical pedometers, and so what we're going to say is that we would like them over a six week period to add twenty thousand step counts per week now to their weekly step count, which we will have to measure and that twenty thousand step count sounds like a lot. you know twenty thousand foot strikes, as in walking, is equivalent to just about a thousand. Calories of energy expenditure, and then we go from there. And that way, they have some idea about how much motion is involved, and it's totally added throughout the week. It doesn't have to be an hour at a time, it can be 10 minutes here, 5 minutes here, 30 minutes there. So, right now, the exercise psychology science is giving the slight majority of weight from compliance with exercise with clinical or We call it practical pedometry, using well-engineered but simple pedometer step counters.
0: How do you motivate or incentivize them to walk more and use their pedometers? What kind of carrot can you hold out in front of them?
1: Well, we kind of give them an idea of where they're coming from with risk, where their parents may be at this point in time, and get kind of a picture genetically where they might be headed based on Framingham heart disease risk score as well as some genetic predisposition, and then give them a choice. Hopefully, that will help motivate them. And from that point on, we give them several choices of exercise. We, as a rule, do not give them a weight, even though they may need to lose weight, most do. But clearly, you can defer diabetes specifically without a, a pound of weight loss, although that will eventually come. There are a variety of mechanisms with walking, for instance, that stimulate a variety of metabolic processes that allow you to increase your glucose tolerance without directly losing a whole lot of weight, maybe just a couple of pounds over a month at a time. So we try to have them just focus not on body weight, but on step counts or the exercise itself. You know, the, the distance they walk, the minutes they walk, or the actual steps they walk, and maybe only weigh themselves once every two to three weeks rather than really completely focus on weight loss.
0: What if you just tell them to sell their cars
1: Some of our patients have actually done that or gone to other modes of transportation. Not going to happen anytime soon probably here in Durham, but if we can have them, you know, over the course of the week add a couple of thousand step counts just by walking a little bit more to their car or from their car, that will, you know, take care of maybe 20% of the energy expenditure needs that week.
0: Ralph, you mentioned you you worked with Alaskans and Indians. I'm wondering, how did they get to Raleigh-Durham? What's going on?
1: I am a consultant for the United States Indian Health Service, both the Alaska Native Service, on a project called the Metabolic Syndrome Clinic Initiative. It's it's the primary protocol now that the ADA and soon-to-be several other initiatives are going to be using based on six years of of systematic approach to managing primary prevention metabolic syndrome, that is patients that are overweight with a little bit of tendency for hypertension and cholesterol disorders. I'm from New Mexico originally, so I had connections with the Indian Health Service there in Santa Fe, so I have a very part-time office Associated with the Indian Health Service there in Santa Fe, which I split my, my time with at Duke.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm talking to Ralph LaForge. Ralph is the Managing Director of the Duke Lipid Disorder Physician Education Program at Duke University Medical Center. We're talking about how to lose weight. Ralph, is there anything that is advertised on TV that is worth spending your money on to lose weight. You see stuff for fat burners and chromium this and chromium that. Is it all a bunch of garbage?
1: I wouldn't say garbage, but it's not very evidence based. If you're going to spend 19.95, I would get a New LifeStyles or their competitor Accusplit Eagle 2720 pedometer. They're much better, and they for the money you spend, you're going to probably get more benefit. of something that would help motivate you and give you some idea of how far you're walking.
0: Ralph, it was a pleasure talking to you today. I'm Dr. Larry Casco. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Lipid Illuminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. REACHMD, the channel for medical professionals.